Hi, this is Alana Terry. Welcome to Season 5 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you some full and complete and unabridged Christian fiction audiobooks to keep you encouraged and inspired. This season's audiobook is called What Dreams May Come and is narrated by Pamela Lawrence, written by me, Alana Terry, and sponsored by our COVID-19 fundraiser. So what we're doing is taking some of my ebook novels and I've bundled them up as a pay what you can product with a portion of all royalties going to support local relief efforts for COVID-19. If you want to be involved in this fundraiser, it's going to be for a limited time. You can check it out at alanaterry.com slash novels. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 51 Susanna had never been around so many people her own age before. She forgot exactly how many Christians were in attendance. 20,000? They were all over the place, spread out over the campus, flowing in all directions at once. Was this what it would be like to attend a big college? The entire first day was a blur, from the early morning drive to the Spokane airport, to the crammed shuttle to the university campus not to mention the check-in procedure at the conference that felt even more involved than airport security. She'd been so overwhelmed by the sheer number of people around her and the general noise that she couldn't remember what the opening speaker talked about. Terrified that she'd lose her way between the big conference center, the cafeteria, and her assigned dorm, she resolved to spend the next morning walking the campus and trying to find her bearings. Lord, I know you brought me here for a reason, but this is way more overwhelming than I would have ever expected. Guide me, Father. One step at a time, please. I need you. The main conference events included speakers and comedy sketches and drama teams and a worship band that made Susanna feel closer to heaven than she thought humanly possible. In between were breakout sessions with missionaries from all over the world. Susanna listened to an ethnomusicologist talk about helping Christians develop indigenous styles of worship and a panel of speakers giving reports and updates on the persecuted church. In one of the campus's huge halls were hundreds of tables where students and interested individuals could meet up with representatives from missionary sending agencies. For the first time, Susanna was glad that her future was clearly laid out for her in Orchard Grove, or she would have been overwhelmed from the sheer number of options. As it was, she found the hall far too crowded and noisy, and preferred to spend her time in the breakout sessions. She thought it was strange that more of the students here didn't attend the smaller meetings. Sometimes she was one of only two or three attendees, which fortunately gave her the chance to ask questions and feel like she'd gotten to know some of the missionaries personally. Yes, Lord, Mom and Derek were right. This is so refreshing. She'd taken her new journal with her, and when she wasn't in one of the breakout meetings or group sessions, she'd find her way to the room they'd set up as a prayer chapel and write. 
for the first time, she wasn't just scribbling about Scott. Lord, you are so big. Your heart for the nations is even greater than I ever imagined. I realize now how lonely I've been in Orchard Grove. It's so inspiring to be here with other believers who want to take your gospel to the ends of the earth. She didn't know how or why, but for the first time since her mom died, Susanna didn't feel trapped at the thought of spending the rest of her life in Orchard Grove. Nearly all of the missionaries she'd met in the breakout sessions talked about how important it was to have an intercession team back home. And Susanna realized that prayer wasn't just a last resort. It was the power through which the gospel was spread. Missionaries were equipped, and God's glory was taken to the nations. She'd used all of the spending money Derek sent her with to buy prayer guides and other resources to take back with her to Orchard Grove. She even had a few audiobooks she could listen to that would guide her prayers for the nations and that she could listen to while she was cleaning or cooking or getting Kitty ready for the day. She'd also been convicted here about how little time she spent each day helping Kitty grow in her spiritual walk. Kitty loved the Lord, would joyfully try to sing along with the hymns their mom played on the piano. But there was so much more Susanna could teach her. How to pray for different countries. How to intercede for missionaries. She was out of funds, but as soon as she got home, she wanted to find a map of the world and tape it up on Kitty's wall. She pictured them sitting in Kitty's room for an hour or two every day, praying for God to send his workers to the different countries of the world. Susanna couldn't go to the mission field, but that didn't mean God wouldn't use her to advance his kingdom worldwide. The best part of it was she never had to leave Orchard Grove, unless it was to come back here. With careful budgeting, she could afford to come back next time received the same excitement she now felt in her soul, the excitement she was eager to carry back with her to Orchard Grove. Lord, thank you so much for putting this idea in Mom's head. Thank you for Derek remembering and forcing me to come here. Thank you for all the people here that you've called to spread your gospel around the world. And thank you for opening my eyes to the part I can play in spreading your kingdom like wildfire across the land. She glanced at the clock on the wall of the prayer chapel and closed her journal. The next breakout session was in five minutes. It was a talk she'd been looking forward to about creating a missions prayer program in your local church. Susanna had never considered herself a leader in any way but she knew God was calling her to stay in Orchard Grove. Most people there never thought about the Great Commission beyond the annual December offering they collected to distribute to the few missionaries the church supported. She was nervous about stepping up into a more active role in her church, but she also felt the weight of responsibility pressing down on her. God had given her a passion for world missions, and yet kept her from ever leaving Orchard Grove. Instead of complaining about the way her life had turned out, she could spend her energy not only praying for the gospel to spread, but encouraging others around her to do the same. 
It wasn't hopping on a plane to take care of children at an orphanage in India or teach classes to kids in Africa. But it was the work God had called her to. She didn't want to fail. Chapter 52 Scott stared around the room. Empty. He should have known. Talking about ways that local believers could encourage their churches to become more missions-oriented wasn't the kind of flashy or exciting topic that would draw in hundreds of attendees, which is probably why his co-worker had pawned the responsibility off on him. Oh well. Scott always enjoyed the Urbana Conference. He hadn't missed one since he'd started working for Kingdom Builders 12 years ago. There was something so invigorating about surrounding himself with young people who loved the Lord and wanted to serve him overseas. Of course, not everybody who got excited here would end up on the mission field. He figured that even if a third of the attendees here made a commitment to pursue full-time ministry— like the conference managers claimed. Only a small fraction of those would actually turn into career missionaries. The distractions of the world were far too strong. For years, Scott had looked down on those who graduated with him from Bible college, those who planned to serve God vocationally, but ended up doing something else. Now he had a deeper understanding of the ways God worked and knew a Christian could be involved in full-time ministry while still working a secular job. The fact that the world needed Christian missionaries didn't negate the fact that it also needed Christian doctors and teachers and journalists and janitors and taxicab drivers. So he had learned to stop judging others. But he did sometimes wonder what would happen if God called a Christian to a specific mission field and the believer didn't follow through. Would God just raise somebody else up to minister in that region? If God was going to save everyone that he wanted to save, as some Christians believed, if a Christian could ignore God's call to the mission field and rest assured that the Lord would just invite somebody more willing, where was the sense of urgency? Why would he ask young people to sacrifice their futures, their comforts, their worldly dreams, if eternal souls weren't at risk of perishing without hearing the gospel message? These were questions better fit for the four corners of his alma mater, but he still confronted them on occasion. Once, when he was speaking at a church just outside of Philadelphia to raise support for kingdom builders, an old man had asked him why he bothered traveling across the world with the gospel when there were so many hurting and needy people right here in his own backyard. Those kinds of confrontations always bothered him, reminding him of the way Hudson Taylor was discouraged from preaching the gospel in China because when God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without the help of people like you and me. Scott was in full support of local missions. But how could that be an excuse to ignore those in other parts of the world who had never even had the chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? He glanced again at the time. If nobody showed up in the next few minutes, he would probably call the session off. A timid knock sounded on the door, and he hoped that whoever came to hear what he had to say brought a few friends along. 
There was nothing more awkward than standing in front of the room, giving a speech meant for twenty or thirty people, to an audience of one. Come in, he called out without raising his eyes. The little startled sound that followed made him look up. Am I in the right place? He would recognize that sound anywhere. He could have been riding in a crowded Moscow subway, surrounded by two dozen sweaty Russian men, and he would still have known that voice. He licked his lips, suddenly aware that he was dizzy. Did she recognize him, too? Is that why she had gasped when she stepped through the doorway? He was on his feet, ignoring the way the room spun in circles around him, watching her face to tell if she was happy to see him or not. Maybe he was wrong. What would she be doing all the way out here? What about her sister? That must be it. After he'd tried so hard to get her out of his head, after he'd prayed so fervently for God to help him get over the pain of losing her, his mind was playing tricks. There were 20,000 people at this conference. How many of them would be young women with golden flowing hair and large trusting eyes? Eyes that probed into his very soul. He cleared his throat, reminding himself that he had a presentation to deliver. Convincing himself that Susanna Peters was back home with her sister in Orchard Grove. Are you here for the talk on starting a missions movement in your local church? He asked. Why was she staring at him like that? Why wouldn't she sit down? Make yourself comfortable. He pointed to one of the desks, but she didn't move. She looked just like he imagined her all these months. The resemblance was uncanny. What's your name? Where are you from? She blinked up at him. Those large, trusting eyes. I'm Susanna. Have we met before? Thanks again for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This has been What Dreams May Come by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our fundraiser for COVID-19 relief work, which you can find out about more when you go to alanaterry.com slash novels. This page will have a link to our fundraiser for as long as it runs. I hope and pray that you stay safe and healthy. I want to thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon.